Welcome to First United Methodist Church's worship service. We are a church that strives to know God, love God, and serve God. We are one church with two locations. The Whitmore Lake Campus is located at the corner of Main Street and East Shore Drive at 9318 Main Street in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. The Brighton Campus is located at the intersection of Brighton Lake Road and Grand River Avenue at 400 East Grand River Avenue in Brighton, Michigan. Please visit us online at brightonfumc.org to learn about in-person worship times at both locations. Worship will begin shortly. We are glad that you are with us. Good morning. Welcome to First United Methodist Church of Brighton and Whitmore Lake. My name is Reverend John Reynolds, and it's so great to have you with us this morning. If this is your first Sunday with us, we're so glad that you decided to make this your spiritual home this morning. And if you've been with us for a really long time, we're grateful to have you here as well. I want to extend a warm welcome to all of the folks who are watching online here as well. We're grateful for your presence and you tuning in as well. We're a church that's striving to help people know God, love God, and serve God. And in the midst of this, uh, this month, we're actually doing a sermon series on those themes. And today we're talking about what does it mean to serve God? What does it mean to, to give our lives to God with what we do in our actions, our hands, our feet, our mouths? What, how can we serve God in the world today? If you were um, on the way in, I hope you were handed a connection card, and we encourage you to take a moment and fill that out. There should be pens in the pew back in front of you, and if you could just take a couple minutes, let us know that you are here by putting your name and your contact information, and there's a whole list of ministries that if you would like to get plugged into, you can just check those boxes, and somebody from the church will be in touch with you to try to connect you with those ministries here at the church. In addition to that, there's a yellow prayer card in the pew back in front of you, and every week the staff takes a moment at our staff meeting, and we pray over all the concerns that are lifted by folks here at the church, and we would be really humbled if you, would have, if you would like to have us pray over something that's going on in your life or in the life of somebody that you care about. There's lots of different ways that those prayer cards can be handled. You can check that they're confidential and you prefer for them to just stay with the clergy. You can uh, put them on the prayer chain if you would like other folks in the church. That email goes out to about 75 people here in our community, and all of those folks are invited to pray over those concerns. So for those of you who know somebody who might benefit from the prayers of this congregation, we encourage you to fill out those yellow prayer cards. In addition to that, um, just wanted to let you know a couple of things that are going on here at the church. Uh, for some of us, this is like the greatest news that you could ever do for a parent, but on March 3rd, there's a parent's night out. How many of you remember the days that that was just like the best news ever? That's, maybe that's just me? Okay, well, I'm just going to dance up here on the altar for a couple of moments because Lindsay and I are going to Jesus Christ Superstar with some folks from the church that night, and we're excited about that. So um, secondly, there's a pancake supper on Fat Tuesday, February 21st at 5 p.m. All the proceeds from that pancake supper uh, will go to um, the Redbird Mission, so we encourage you to come to that dinner, eat as many pancakes as you want. Uh, I plan to make some Mickey Mouse pancakes, so um, you can eat those if you get one of them. You can feel ultra special. Finally, there's a new member class that's going to start here at the Brighton campus on February 26th at 7.30 p.m. If you're interested in making this your spiritual home, or even if you just want to take the class as a refresher for what it means to be United Methodist, we encourage you to get in touch with Pastor Lindsay. She's teaching that class. And I want to share this with you all, because it means a lot to me. Uh, at Whitmore Lake this afternoon, right after the 9.15 service down at Whitmore Lake, 
Pastor Lindsay's leading a, a membership class down at Whitmore Lake, and nine people at that campus are taking the class, five of whom, amen. And five of them will be joining. And uh, if you don't know, you know, maybe some of you haven't been to our Whitmore Lake campus. Like, on average, since Pastor Lindsay and I have been here, which is just a little over, um, you know, the last couple of years, we averaged between, like, 18 and 20 people a Sunday at our Whitmore Lake campus. It's, by comparison, very small. But what that means to me is about 20 to 25 percent of the average worship attendance at Whitmore Lake is joining the church this week. So here's my challenge to you all, right? Like, Let's try to best our Whitmore Lake campus and get 20% of our average worship attendance to come to the membership class on February 26th at 7.30 p.m. We'll have 40 people join the church or something like that, and our church will just grow exponentially. How does that sound to you guys? That, that sounds great. So we, but in all seriousness, we celebrate and give thanks for the great things that are happening on our Whitmore Lake campus. I just want to say this. You know, a lot of churches, when they get down to that number of folks on a Sunday, it's rare that people come, visit, and decide to make that their spiritual home. So we are proud of the work that our Whitmore Lake campus is doing, and that's important for us here at Brighton because we're connected. We're, we're yoked together in ministry, and I got to say that the folks at Whitmore Lake are doing a phenomenal job of reaching out into the community, inviting people, and we're excited to receive new people into this body of Christ through that campus. And with that, I want to encourage you to stand as you're able and join with us in singing hymn number 581. Uh, let's stand and sing unto the Lord.
Good morning. I'm Liz Hoover, and I'm glad we're going to be talking about service today. I've come to find that I actually serve this church. I don't go on mission trips and those things, not my thing, but I do stand here and try to be pleasant in the morning. So hopefully you agree that I can do that. Good morning. <laughs> I got one cheer, yay. Please join me in the opening prayer. Lord of compassion, to us the world's problems are often overwhelming. We pray that you will uplift our hearts, use our strengths, and guide us to where we can serve in your creation. In your name we pray. Amen. Please be seated. The scripture this morning is from Joshua 24, verses 14 to 18. You can see how good I do at this, too. <laughs> now, fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worshiped beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt, and serve the Lord. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves today whom you will serve whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the god of the Amorites in whose land you are now living. But as for me and my household, we'll serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. It was the Lord our God himself who brought us and our parents out of Egypt from that land of slavery and performed those great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our journey and he protected us among all the nations through which we traveled. 
And the Lord drove out before us all the nations, including the Amorites, who lived in this land. We too will serve the Lord, because he is our God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Thanks so much, Liz, for reading our scripture this morning. Will you join me in a time of prayer? Let us pray. Gracious and loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be measured and found acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, and the one whom we feel called to serve. Amen. Uh, I remember the very first time that I got engaged in mission work, actually, almost like it was yesterday, and I don't have a ton of memories, actually, from my, like, early elementary school years, but I remember, and some of you may be aware, I grew up in the Michigan area, and I went to school uh, not too far from here in Bloomfield Hills. My dad was a teacher there, so I went to Cranbrook schools, and it was a a nice private school just outside of Metro Detroit, and and we decided that we were going to do a massive collection of food. The entire elementary school called Brookside at the time was going to encourage everybody to bring in food for just over a week, and we'd collect it all, and we were, I think, in second grade, maybe it was first grade at the time, and I remember just food coming in in droves, piles of it was just brought into the school, and it was laid to rest in this sort of like student area where, where we eventually would come and sort all the food by types. And, and you can imagine, right, like a little first grade John, like this tall or something like that, you know, running up with just full excitement to see all of this food that had been collected by families brought in over the course of a week, and it was just piled high, so high that I remember looking up at this mountain of food thinking like, this is the most about, you know, food I have ever seen in my entire life. The challenge was to donate all this food to gleaners, but in order to do that, we had to sort it by type. So the pasta went in one box and the cans went in another box. And, you know, like after five minutes, everyone's exhausted, you know, like we're little first graders and, and our teachers are there like, we can do it, keep going, guys, you know, and I remember sorting it, but that wasn't the best part. After it was sorted, we transported it to a bus, and so our little class got on one bus, but we also filled a whole nother school bus with the food that had been collected, and it was taken down to Gleaners Community Food Bank in Detroit. Now, this church has a history of supporting Gleaners Community Food Bank because at this point, Gleaners has become a network of nearly 400 different food pantries across southeast Michigan, But at that time, you know, it was smaller. And I remember going down to the city of Detroit where we experienced this massive warehouse. And because we hadn't done enough sorting as first or second graders, we had to sort it again into the organizational structure that gleaners have. But that didn't deter us because now it wasn't just one school bus of food, but there were massive piles and boxes and pallets of food everywhere. And I remember thinking at that time, Like, surely this is enough. We're going to end world hunger just right here in this warehouse. Because that's how you think when you're in first grade. You imagine that, that like, all of the problems of the world can be solved if people are just kind to one another. And if we just shared a little portion of what we had with other people, we could end world hunger. And that's actually what Gleaner's mission statement is. If you go on their website today, they have a goal, actually, not of ending world hunger, but just ending hunger in southeast Michigan. That's a pretty huge vision. 
because there are about 4.7 million people that live in Southeast Michigan, but also by comparison, that's an incredibly small mission because at the end of the day, there are nearly 8 billion people on the planet today, and many of them continue to suffer from food insecurity. But I remember little first grade John, all of like, you know, four feet tall at the time, thinking this is the most incredible organization I've ever seen in my life, and I was hooked. I wanted to do stuff like that for the rest of my life. Yes, it was just boxes of pasta and cans of green beans and corn and whatever else people had decided to to donate on that particular day, but I remember thinking, like, we were going to change the world together. We filled a whole school bus with food. Later on in high school, I got connected with one of the brothers of the Holy Cross who invited me to come work with him at Habitat for Humanity, another mission that our church supports through our Whitmore Lake campus. And so Brother Chester uh, would take me and meet me uh, at the Habitat for Humanity site, and, and we would build homes. Every single Saturday I could that I didn't have a basketball or football or baseball tournament, I would show up with this guy, and we would work on homes together all through high school. Then I was really addicted because we weren't just trying to solve world hunger. At that point, we were literally taking somebody that most of the time had never owned a home in their entire life, and they were going to become first-time homeowners. And I remember being at some of the home dedications, which you haven't been to one of those. It's the moment that Habitat for Humanity takes a set of keys and places it in the hands of a homeowner who's worked in some cases like hundreds of hours alongside volunteers in 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 an experience they call sweat equity. The, The sweat that you pour into somebody else's home is part of the work that you do to pay off your own home. And I remember thinking like, imagining what it would be like to hold a set of keys to a place that I could call my own for the very first time. Habitat for Humanity's vision is to end homelessness, to allow people to build equity and allow people to build generational wealth through home ownership. I I find myself thinking sometimes in the midst of serving other people that in some small way we're sort of partnering with how God imagines the world to ultimately be. It's a crazy vision, right? We get little glimpses of it perhaps along the way, but But in Revelation, it talks about a time when at some point in the future, there will be a moment where no longer will people hunger or thirst anymore. I mean, that's a great vision, right? That someday out there in the future, there will no no longer be hungry stomachs. There will no longer be people walking miles to get access to clean and safe drinking water. In our world today, you just heard me spout off some numbers. There are seven and a half or more, 7.8 billion people in the world, and nearly two billion of them. And and this is an issue that I get really passionate about because I think most of us in Michigan, we take water for granted, but nearly two billion people every single day lack access to clean and safe drinking water. So I know that we haven't gotten to the book of Revelation yet. In addition to that, Right here in our own country, there's nearly 20 million people who lack access to health care. I have to look at my notes here because I don't want to give you numbers that aren't true. There's 244 million people that don't get to go to school every day in our world today, which negates them the opportunities 
to, to advance themselves and to be pr more productive in the world. There's a hundred million refugees. People have been displaced from their home because they don't feel safe there. There's 30 million people who don't have access to health care. See, there you go. That's what I do when I speak off the cuff. I, I eliminated 10 million people from that count. There's 2.19 million people who are incarcerated in the United States alone. And that makes up about 25% of the total number of people who are incarcerated around the world. No matter where you look, there are folks that haven't quite yet been brought into this vision that God has for the future of the world. And when I think about what it means to serve God, when we get up here and we say, like, we're a church that's trying to help people know God, love God, and serve God, when we come up and say that on a weekly basis, our hope is that you can find something, doesn't matter what it is, something that that you can partner with the work of the Holy Spirit in the world today to bring about an image, uh, to try to bring the current world that we all exist in, where like all you have to do is turn on the seven o'clock news and you're like, oh, that's not the kingdom of God. A couple minutes later, that's not the kingdom of God. As long as people are being shot or hurting themselves, as long as there are hungry people, as long as there are people walking around and they don't have a home to call their own at the end of the day, as long as there are people who can't get access to health care, as long as there are people who are suffering in the world today, you can just like watch for a couple minutes and you're like, I think God would prefer that to be a different way. As long as there are people who are dying from completely preventable diseases, I think most of us can find some way to serve God in the world today. One of my favorite Christian authors, Frederick Buechner, says our calling, the place where God is calling us to, is at the intersection of where the great needs of the world are and where our passion resides. I hope that somewhere out there, with some great world issue, you can find a calling for yourself to serve God in the world today. It benefits not only the people that you're serving, but I'm here to tell you it greatly benefits yourself. I just want to share a couple of reasons why it's worthwhile to serve God. The first is it helps you remain positive. If you find yourself depressed or anxious or, or you know, just overall down, which, by the way, like, in February, that's me, like every single year. I'm just here to tell you that every February, I'm like, man, like it seems cloudy more often than not. And, you know, I just feel myself sort of the weight, uh, which isn't a terrible thing. But, but if you're experiencing that in the midst of this month, I hope that you'll find a way to serve somebody it can completely flip your whole perspective. It boosts your self-esteem. It helps you feel good about yourself. It allows you to make friends and connections with people of similar values. If you find yourself working at a place like Habitat for Humanity and you look over and here's a, a Catholic priest, actually, this brother that I met that I would just enjoy seeing every time I went to Habitat for Humanity, a lifelong friend, somebody who I, I probably wouldn't be in ministry if it wasn't for those Saturdays with him challenging me to explore faith more. It helps you live longer. Anybody in here want to live longer? I hope so. It puts things in perspective. It gives you a sense of purpose. It helps you feel good. All of those great reasons to serve God, to help you find a purpose and meaning in what you're doing on a day-in and day-out basis. I want to tell you a story that means a lot to me. Many of you know that February is Black History Month, and so 
in the midst of this month, I always find it important to sort of center some of the stories that we tell in the legacy of the black experience around the world. I want to tell you a story about Nelson Mandela. Many of you know that he was in prison for 27 years and, and terrible things were happening. I mean, he was like literally in prison in a place not dissimilar to Alcatraz, right? Maximum security. And, and the stories are that he was only allowed to send out one letter to his family every six months. So he was completely disconnected, right? And he was in prison because he was a part of a movement that was attempting to, to push the government to end the apartheid, the separation between blacks and whites in South Africa. For 27 years, he was imprisoned. He wasn't allowed to go to family members' funeral services. He wasn't allowed to communicate with his family. But there were two stories about him that stood out. The first one was this. There was a priest that came in, and many of you know, um, maybe, maybe you don't, that Nelson Mandela was a committed Methodist throughout the course of his life. The Methodist church had had a huge role in helping him obtain an education. They sent him to a Methodist school. There were Methodist pastors that educated him, and he was rooted in that tradition, and many of the, the challenges to the government that he, you know, was, was undergirding and sort of leading were formulated during that time, and so he, he was sitting inside the prison cell, and a Methodist pastor came in to serve communion to all of the folks within the prison, and Nelson Mandela noticed that one of the prison guards was standing off to the side with his arms folded, and so he stopped the pastor, who was about to administer the sacraments, and he said, hold on a second, and he gestures to the guard, are you a Christian? And the guard says, yes, I am. And Nelson Mandela said, well, we're not going to serve communion, which is supposed to be about all of us together unless you come over here and receive the sacrament with us. This, by the way, was after he had been in prison, wrongfully, probably, for nearly 20 years at that point. The other thing I want to tell you about Nelson Mandela is when he got out, of course, most of us, if we were wrongfully imprisoned for 27 years, if we've been separated and forced into, you know, challenging labor camps, you know, uh, backbreaking work in a limestone quarry for years and years and years without justifiable or equitable compensation, we come out angry, you know, resentful about the world. And Nelson Mandela, when he was released in the late 80s, 1980s, he came out, and the very first thing that he was tasked with the responsibility of doing is meeting with the very same government leaders who had, were a part of the party that had imprisoned him 27 years before. And Nelson Mandela, because I believe, you know, he was rooted in this image of what the kingdom of God might look like someday, where everybody's included, a kingdom of God where nobody gets left behind, regardless of whether or not you had done terrible things to hurt other people. Nelson Mandela came out of prison after 27 years, and instead of reading the riot act to the presiding party of his day, he looked into the eyes of the people who had kept him in prison for all of those years, and for 20 straight minutes in their language, not his, he recited a history of their people, all of their great poets, all of their great artists, all of their great leaders, and at the end of that 20-minute period of time, he looked them in the eyes and he said, surely with such great people like yourselves, we'll be able to reach a just, and peaceful transition of power. It still took four years, 
and economic sanctions from countries including the United States and others all around the world that eventually led to laws being passed that ended apartheid. But a lot of historians say it was in that moment, after 27 years of being wrongfully imprisoned when he got out, I believe Nelson Mandela, in service to God, with an image of what the kingdom of God might look like someday, was able to come out of prison, look the people who had wrongfully imprisoned him in the eyes, and tell them a 20-minute history of all of the great accomplishments of those people. Instead of calling them out and repaying violence with violence, Nelson Mandela had the courage to say, surely with people like yourselves, we can reach a peaceful and just and equitable transition of power and leadership from your party into a more diverse government here in South Africa. I believe in that moment, Nelson Mandela was serving God. Many of us won't have an opportunity to end apartheid in our lives. Most of us probably won't have an opportunity to completely change the, the politics or realities of an entire country. Maybe some of us will, but I know that all of us can bring in, you know, a, a, a box of pasta or some canned food that, that fills a cart, and God bless you, Art. I, I don't know how you do it, but every week Art Neff takes that cart of groceries and takes them to the, one of the 400 food banks that Gleaners is connected with across southeast Michigan. Those of you who come here on Mondays and are a part of the prayer quilt group that, you know, literally every single stitch is a prayer and you're able to take those prayers and send them, you know, to places all across the world where recipients are wrapped and covered in God's love. For those of you who have been a part of going down to Redbird and, you know, maybe you'll come and eat the pancakes in a couple of weeks, you'll, you know that you're taking homes that have been dilapidated and destroyed after years of economic collapse in the Appalachian Mountains and, and just showing up and saying, like, there's a church in Michigan that cares enough about folks in the Appalachian Mountains to show up and help rebuild and restore homes by patching roofs or rebuilding floors. You are serving God. For folks in our congregation who have the courage each and every month to go down to Cass Community Social Services in Detroit with Greg are, are serving God by going down there to help formerly and currently homeless folks get their feet back under them. Those of you who show up each week, like Liz, and read the scripture are serving God. Those of you who, who walk through the sanctuary and put prayer cards in the back of pews so that somebody can write in them on Sundays, or like, God bless you, pick up bulletins from the previous week and recycle them are serving God. Those of you who ring handbells are serving God. Those of you who are helping us broadcast the service so people online can watch it from the comfort of their own homes are serving God. Those of you who show up each week to sing in the choir are serving Those of you who have created kits for Days for Girls, thanks, Pat. I mean, I'm leaving like 400 things out. I, at the risk of sounding, you know, like a politician that names everything, yes. If you go on our website, by the way, you could spend an hour reading about all of the different ways, and Suzanne says, please do, <laughs> that you can serve God in this congregation. I hope you do. And I hope that the world is never the same because you choose to say yes. And last, I hope you're not the same because you choose to say yes. The scripture that we read this morning was from the book of Joshua, and 
these folks, right, they, they've been through so much. They had walked through the desert for 40 years, which always cracks me up because if you go to Egypt, you know that the Sinai is actually not that hard to cross. Yes, it's a desert. Yes, it's a long way. Yes, there's not a whole lot of water. But if you walked from one side of the Sinai to the other, it would take about 12 days. A man was leading, Liz says. That's probably true. See, now we get the truth, the whole scriptures. I'm here to tell you these people have been through a lot. And in this moment, you know the story, right? Moses had gone up to the top of a mountain in Sinai, and he came back, and all the people had sort of lost their way. They had started worshiping a, you know, an idol. But in this moment, Joshua says, you can do whatever you want. And you can. You can choose to spend your time doing whatever you like to do in the world. There's lots of great things to do out there. Joshua says, and I think a moment of great leadership, right? He's like, I can't force you to do anything. And I can't either. He says, but you all have a choice in what you choose to do with your time. And I hope that you choose to serve God with some of the time that you have. And I guess that's my message to you today because, you know, then all of the people say like, well, Joshua, of course we're going to serve God. Like, what alternative do we have? We're in. We're leaning in with our whole hearts, with our whole strength, with all of our skills and abilities. We're here to serve God. Joshua's like, that's great. But I hope that you're able to find something at the great intersection of where you feel called, where you have gifts, and where the great needs of the world are. And I hope that we find ways to serve God together. And I believe that our faith centers so much around this. And Jesus, when he said that, you know, this is how it's all going to be sorted out in the end, that when I was hungry and I showed up at your door, you gave me something to eat. And when I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. And when I was naked, you gave me some clothes, which Hope's Closet, I would be remiss to not mention that. We also do that as well. When I was in prison, you visited me. When I was sick, you came. I hope you find some way to serve God in the world today. And I know that many of you already are. But when we say we're a congregation that's trying to help people know God and love God and serve God, we're thinking about folks like the Ritzmas who are going down to Rio Bravo to help build casitas for folks down there. I hope you find a way to serve God in our world today. I thank God for you, for all the ways that you've already said yes. Amen.
Thank you, Bells. That was a beautiful example of what individuals working together can do. And I think, John, that was very um, inspiring. It, it reminds me of some advice, um, and I don't know where it came from or who said it, so I apologize, but um, when, the over, when the world's problems seem overwhelming and we don't know how to get to the end, we, all God's asking us to do is the next thing. So if you can pray on that, what's the next thing God's asking you to do? You don't have to think at the very end of the goal, but just the next step. So it's my privilege to pray with you this morning to lead us in congregational prayer. I'm Suzanne Everett. We have two prayer quilts this morning. One is for Reverend Eric Stone. He's a pastor serving at Adrian First United Methodist Church, and his family has been very involved in the camping ministry over the years. And we also have one for Trey Harrison. So as we pray this morning, we ask God to wrap Eric and Trey in God's healing mercy. And as you leave this space, stop and tie a knot, say a prayer, and sign the cards for them so that they may know and feel the love of this congregation on their healing journeys. As we turn to God, I invite you into a posture consistent with your prayer practice. Let's pray. Thank you, God, for the sunshine over this last week. It lifts our spirits and gives us more energy to face all that is before us. We are reminded, though, that we cannot face the realities of this world without you, God. We need the hope that you promise us. We invite the transformation that you provide so that we can do the work you call us to do. We remember the promise found in the book of Isaiah. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. From around the world, we hear of devastating circumstances and pray for the hope and energy and renewed strength of those responding to the earthquakes in Turkey and Syria. Keep your hands on them, Lord, as they work to rescue and treat survivors, mourn the loss of loved ones, and figure out how to move forward. Show us how to be in service to them through you. We pray, too, for those who are suffering due to violence right here in our own country and around the world. Help us to see with your eyes how to love one another with compassion and to push back against the hate that leads to death, injury, and violence. Help us instead to lean into solutions that work toward justice, equality, safety, and reconciliation. As we sit, Lord, in our warm sanctuary and comfortable homes, we invite the Holy Spirit to move us and to know us, to instill in us that small spark of joy so that others will see the Spirit of God in us. We pray for those who are not here, for those who are not warm or with shelter. We pray for people experiencing homelessness, for people in the hospital or awaiting treatment. We pray for people experiencing grief or loneliness 
or uncertainty. We pray for a measure of healing, wholeness, and comfort to bring each of your children in closer relationship with you. Hear now our silent prayers and petitions as we lay our burdens at the feet of a loving God. of our prayers be multiplied to show our thanksgiving, our repentance, and our willingness to serve you. Now let us lift our voices together to share the prayer Jesus taught us, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Much, Suzanne, for your prayers and for your leadership. We um, come to a time in the service where we have an opportunity to respond to the good things that God is doing in our world and I just wanted to share, some people have asked before the service starts, uh, is the church going to respond to the tragic earthquakes in, um, in Syria and in Turkey? And of course, uh, of course, the United Methodist Church's formulated response earlier this week, um, Bishop Bard sent out an email to folks all across the Michigan area encouraging uh, United Methodists who feel called to respond to send a check to UMCOR. So if you uh, are interested in supporting, those dollars will go to support the United Methodist Committee on Relief, which is a group of folks that responds to natural disasters all around the world. If you feel moved to, to be a part of that work, uh, there, I know there are already folks, uh, representatives from the church uh, that, that are already on the ground in Turkey and Syria, helping with the relief and the long uh, relief effort that will take place, not only you know in the immediacy, but also into the future of rebuilding buildings and homes and places. If you'd like to support that, you're welcome to do so. And um, if this is your first Sunday with us, I wanna let you know that uh, there's no obligation to give your presence here in and of itself is a gift to us. If this is your spiritual home, we invite you to give generously so that the ministries of our church can continue to make a difference as we seek to serve God together. Thank you so much. gratitude we bring our offerings lord show us where we can use them so that we may serve others in your name amen
invite Bob Ritzma up for just a moment here. Bob is headed down to Rio Bravo uh, to represent our church and also uh, to, to just represent the church at large. There are 26 folks going down to Rio Bravo this year, and Bob is one of them. And um, we just wanted to commission him and send him on this journey. We pray that God's uh, Holy Spirit would make a difference through you and in you and for the people that you're serving. So if you wouldn't mind just extending your hand as a sign of your blessing on Bob as he embarks on this journey. And let us pray together. Gracious and loving God, we're grateful for the mission of Rio Bravo, for the ways in which it transforms the lives of folks here in the United States and across the border in Mexico. We pray for Bob that he would have safe journey and that your Holy Spirit would be working in the things that he does and the things that he says and the places that he goes and the people that he meets. We pray that that he would partner with the work that you're already doing there. So bless him in his travels and allow him to make a difference in Jesus' name. Amen. Bob, we just wanted as a congregation to present you with a check to support you in your mission journeys. On behalf of the congregation, we're grateful for the work that you're doing, for the example that you're setting for all of us to put your life in God's hands to do God's work in the world today. So will you please join me in just blessing him by sending him out into the world. Thank you, Bob. Amen. Thanks so much. As you go out into the world, I pray that you will go with the blessing of God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Let us go loving and serving the Lord. Amen. We are so glad you worshiped with us. We are a church that strives to know God, love God, and serve God. You were invited into this mission by worshiping, joining one or more small groups, sharing prayer requests, and becoming part of the community. We are one church with two locations. 
The Whitmore Lake Campus is located at the corner of Main Street and East Shore Drive at 9318 Main Street in Whitmore Lake, Michigan. The Brighton Campus is located at the intersection of Brighton Lake Road and Grand River Avenue at 400 East Grand River Avenue in Brighton, Michigan. Please visit us online at brightonfumc.org for details about in-person worship at both of our two locations. We hope you were blessed by this worship. Please click the like button, subscribe to our channel, share this video, and join us again next week.